0: Good. All right. It was brought to my attention in the last session that I uh, blew through the sound barrier and the time barrier, uh, talked really fast, and then went long. (laughs) So I will uh, do my best to um, do that. But for the sake of our... um, For uh, some of our younger um, um, members of the audience, I want to share with you something that's really near and dear to my heart. This is a work in progress. I mean, what you're going to get is worked, uh, but there is more that I continue to build on this because I think it's so important. And the title of it is called Social Media, Video Games, and the Gospel. Um, uh, I am on all three of those. So this isn't like some um, super old guy trying to come at you and tell you that, that Facebook is of the devil or anything like that. That's not where we're going. Uh, social media, video games, and the gospel, I believe that the three of them have opportunities to be enemies of each other or analogies of each other. Um, But let's pray, and I'll get more into that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and praise you for everything. Um, My heart is eager to hear how, Lord God, you would, for this audience, tailor this conversation uh, of the gospel. I am gripped, Lord, God, every time I get a chance to walk off from behind one of these mics and realize that you used me again, and I can't figure out why, because there is nothing that I have done to qualify. So um, we thank you for coming in among us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Something funny happened in our family when we were out at Ruby Tuesdays, and I don't know if I had been on the phone all day, but uh, so we were sitting around and I blessed the food and I kind of got to the end of my prayer similar to that. But I wasn't emotional this time. I just kind of like ran out of stuff to talk about. And uh, I was like, OK, Lord, bye. Uh, <laughs> like I was on the phone and <laughs> I was like, OK, bye. Who says that to God? But anyway, that's when you've been on the phone too much during the course of the day. OK, bye. Thank you, Jesus. OK, bye. And it was a quick bye, like you're trying to get him off the phone. You know what I mean? OK, bye. OK, OK. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Lots of things going on. So social media, video games and the gospel uh, before as I'm teeing this up, um, I'm, I'm often intrigued by uh, so think this. Right. So I know exactly what cake looks like. I know what cake looks like. I even know what a great cake looks like. Right. I can look at it. I can say that that's a pound cake it looks moist, it looks delicious, it's heavy, right? This is cake. It's got this uh, very, it's not too thick and it's not too thin, that brown crust, and it was made in that proper um, kind of dish that has the, the those lines, those grooves in it, right? I know what good cake looks like. I can recognize it. I can go over to the cupboard, and I can open up, and I can recognize Stuff, you know, sugar. Um, I don't know what else even goes in there, but I can recognize flour uh, in stuff, right? A splash of vanilla extract, you know? Boom. I'm nailing it now for the cooks in the house. I know what milk and eggs look like. You know, I can recognize them. But as you can already tell, I know what the finished product looks like, and I know what it tastes like when it's good. And I know the things that go in it, but there's a problem. I can't make one. When I think about that, that's the same way that I'm starting to feel about some, I feel this way sometimes about my children and sometimes about younger people, and the reason that I'm I'm so serious about this with the family, I feel like our kids and our young people and, and, and even some people in my generation, so young people, right, people period, right? Families, one of the disservices that that families are starting to do is we are our kids know what great they know what gospel looks like. They've heard it. They've seen it. They know what it tastes like. They come from decent Bible teaching churches, so they know what the ingredients are like. There should be a cross. There's some sin. There's a resurrection. um, The power of God. Right. You know what I mean? It's there. But can they. Extrapolate. Can they go from gospel to application? Can they bring it forward from the individual ingredients? Can they do that? Can they do they know the recipe? Right. They can see the recipe, but can they work the gospel recipe? And the reason that I ask that is because the Lord has not left us without sufficient witness and analogies throughout the culture, throughout the culture. He's never left us without an appropriate analogy to look at him and to see him working. And when I look at social media, video games, and the gospel, I see these beautiful analogies if I know how to work the recipe, if I know what I'm looking at. And so I see these incredible opportunities for the younger generations to be teed up, to share the gospel so well, but I I can't treat the gospel like sight words. There's a phenomenon on uh, uh, Facebook, there's a baby. I mean, he's diaper age. I can't tell you, right? But he's looking at cards, flashcards. Has anybody seen this one? And he's he, like, oh, he's reading. Cat, bus, mouse, dog. You know the video I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, he's so cute. There's like the baby's reading. He's reading. And, and, and he looks so smart and brilliant, you know. I mean, and I'm not taking anything away from the baby. But if you read the comments, there's some people that are going, he's not reading, This is this is reciting. He he's been he's learned to associate cat with these sounds. But but if you put. The hungry cat needs food now and he recognized all of those words, would the baby get up, go over and get a box of kibble and pour it in the bowl? No, because there's no comprehension, even though there's recognition of the individual parts. And so I believe that for us as Christian families. We are doing a great job at gospel sight words. We're doing a great job at raising gospel recognition. But are we raising gospel literacy? To where our our young people and even ourselves are skilled at pulling together the recipe and showing Now that's what the gospel looks like when it hits social media. That's what it looks like when it hits video games. That's what it looks like when it hits that particular report you just saw on the news. That's where we need to be working as family. So this this whole idea of social media, video games and the gospel is where I'm going with this. I got my tech team working on some material for me. They're going to give me the thumbs up once they've got all those passages lined up. We're going to participate. Boom. I am getting the thumbs up. We are ready for takeoff. Right. I will let you guys know when I'm ready to tee up the first um, passage of scripture. But first <clears throat> I want to um, I, I want to read a passage of scripture that we're all familiar with, or at least I hope, because this is one of your gospel sight words, your gospel site passages. First Corinthians, chapter 15, verses one through five. This is indispensable. This is the locus classicus of where the gospel is located. Let's read it together. Let's get our sight up. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which you also are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Here's the gospel that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures and that he was seen by Cephas and by the twelve. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. The gospel is that formal declaration of the voluntary necessary and substitutionary death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ with a view toward creating missionaries. We were told per that being true, not only on paper and in history, but also in our lives, we should go out and share it. We should make disciples of all men. So it is the voluntary. He did it. His life was not taken. He he was given. It was substitutionary. It was not just him dying at random like a martyr or for a great cause. It was him dying in our place. That was supposed to be us. It is necessary. It is the only thing that satisfied the wrath of God towards humanity. The the blood of goats, bulls and calves could no longer do it. And it was missionary. We are we are sent on the basis of that being true in our lives. We're supposed to do something with it. So the gospel is the voluntary. Substitutionary. Necessary. Yeah, yeah. Necessary (laughs) death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ with missionary intent. Now you don't have to package it that way, but that's how I package it for me so that I maintain a high level of gospel literacy. I'm always looking for these themes. Now, those are gospel sight words. You could recite that and learn that and memorize that, and that would make you high give you a high level of gospel recognition and recitability. But not necessarily and I make up words too. Um uh, but it would not make you gospel literate. I am on a journey to become along with you. This is not the master and the Padawan. This is we on a a journey together to become more gospel literate, because I'm starting to recognize that unless I can navigate the cultural landscape well in all of its social nuances, I will not be effective in sharing the gospel. So I'm constantly on the hunt. Whether I'm looking at the Bloomberg channel, the stock market, whether I'm looking at sports, I'm like, "Okay, are there gospel analogies here?" I'm constantly trying to raise my gospel literacy. Summer equinox, eclipses, uh, you know, frogs, the nature channel, I'm looking for gospel analogies. You know what I mean? Cuz I want to just become gospel literate so that no matter who I'm in the room with, I can make a beeline from that person's perspective and their profession, draw out some illustrations from what they do and what they've committed their lives to, and run to the cross and make them go, hmm, I'll never considered that. And I'll be like, peace. You know? <laughs> All I need to do is drop some Christ centered curiosity on them or, or get them because the, because the Bible says that the power the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So the power for, for 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 salvation is intrinsic within the gospel, not the beauty of my illustration. But I am responsible for giving an answer for the hope that is within me. And I want to live up to that responsibility. I really want to be good at being gospel literate. And so one of the phenomena our president tweets. Therefore, the pat, the platform is set. For me to be able or us to be able as regular everyday Christian folk. Right. To get gospel literate and be able to bound from social media. Video games and the gospel. How do we do it? So here's where we're going. When I think about social media, video games and the gospel, first of all, let's just let's just do a basic analysis of social media. The 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 intended outcomes, even for the person that does not. You know, I just have an account so I can catch up with the old classmates. Or I just have one. I don't even look at it. I don't even update it. Right? You may not even be fully immersed. You're not on it every single day. You don't roll over. And, you know, your iPhone is, your, is also your alarm clock. And as soon as you turn your alarm clock on, you look, you're looking off to see what the updates are, even if that's not you. Right? Even if, even if you're just like, everybody should have a Facebook. It's like Tylenol in the cabinet. Even if you don't get headaches, you just feel like you ought to have one. Right? Right? Am I kind of, sort of? Some kind of social media platform. Well, there is not, there is, I don't care how close you are, how immersed you are, how distant you are. Everyone enjoys views, likes, and follows. If you post a picture, if you make a comment, even if it's just, oh, happy birthday, Karen, and you don't get on for another year, you want somebody to see it. At least Karen. You want views, likes, and follows. Social media platforms, Twitter, views, likes, and follows. You want to be viewed. Why do you view? Viewing says someone is paying attention to me. Likes says someone values me. Follow says that someone is so interested in what I'm talking about, they want to keep up with me. And I don't care if you were born in the 2000s, the 90s, the 80s, the 70s. 60s, the 40s, the 20s, got everybody. The teens. We all want views, likes, and follows. It might it might not be expressed through a through through a platform, but right. I mean, I mean the 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 streaker, the weird guy from the 70s who would run into a barbershop with a trench coat on and flash people. He wants views, likes, and follows. The girl who goes to school with a with an inappropriately low cut top and a dress that's a little bit too high that she packed in her backpack because she knew she couldn't leave home with that. Why would she do it back in the 1980s? She didn't have Facebook, but she still wanted views, likes and follows. The guy who couldn't quite find his place, he couldn't make the football team and he wasn't funny. So I'm just going to start trying to beat people up. What does he want? Views. Likes and follows. He wants value. He wants attention and he wants a crew. And so whether or not your generation handed you that uh, in some kind of package that was just like these leather jackets with beads and zippers all over it, or whether it came in the form of a well put together, perfectly placed photo of you at your best on Facebook. Every generation is trying to get what views, likes and follows. Because views, likes and follows are the quintessential statement of someone is paying attention. Someone values what I got to say and someone is interested enough to follow and keep up with me. Well, guess what? The ultimate place where human beings, regardless of how beautiful or not, how rich or not, How astounding or not, how accomplished or not, how small your town is or not. The only place where all human beings get the appropriate amount of views, likes and follows are at the cross. Understand how the cross is aimed at the human being individually and humanity collectively. You are in view when the Lord Jesus Christ goes to the cross in the gospel. This is why the gospel maintains a high level of perpetual relevance in the lives of all people, regardless of how old we think the Bible is. The gospel is perpetually relevant because that is the ultimate place where we all get views, likes and follows. This is God saying, I looked at your profile and the stuff you post and the stuff that you would never post. And I'm still interested in looking. And then there's likes. The same cross says that not only did I see you, I didn't see your great photo, I saw your worst one. I saw I saw your mole, I saw the blurry one, I saw the one where your hair was screwed up, I saw your sin, and I still looked. I didn't just look, I liked. Didn't like your sin, I still liked you. But not only did I like you enough to 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 die in your place, not just for you as a favor. I died in your place because my father was perpetually angry with you. But then I decided to give you if you would respond to my like. Then I decided to give you my Holy Spirit because I wanted to follow. This isn't this isn't. My clever. Illustration of Facebook and the cross. This is the beauty of your God having deposited in one of the most pervasive. Elements of contemporary culture, a living witness of how the gospel works and then showing us how the human heart craves for something that can only be offered in the Christ. And so what is value? Let's look at the value matrix The value matrix that many of us are striving for, all of us, there's no one in this room that is is exempt. We want acknowledgement. Right. Even if I'm a total stranger introvert, I at least want someone to acknowledge that I'm an introvert and leave me alone. We want acknowledgement. That's what it means to be viewed. I just want acknowledgement. But then there is an escalation. Even the most isolated person wants acceptance. When I get on an airplane, we have assigned seats. Whether you like me or not, I'm in 16B. And that's right there. Scoot over or the stand up. Get in the aisle. Let me get get in there and put my bag over here. We'll sit down. But when I get on public transportation, it is the ultimate analogy of acceptance because no one is obligated to let you sit down. And so what do we do, whether it's the school bus for that first time between elementary school, high school and middle school, or whether it's just public transportation as an adult, you go down that aisle. And what are we doing? We're not just looking for an open seat. We're looking for somebody who doesn't look like they mind sitting next to us. We're looking for acceptance. We want somebody who's willing, even the stranger, to just scoot over a little bit and let me sit down. We want acceptance. The human heart craves not only for acknowledgement and acceptance, but also for affirmation. Even if I'm embarrassed by public praise, I at least want to clap or two when I get finished. Right. All right. Go to the car. (laughs) Right. We want affirmation. It is a part of what the human heart desires. We want affirmation. We not only want that as a part of our value scheme. We also want appreciation. So appreciation is up from affirmation. Affirmation just says attaboy. Good job. But then appreciation is someone coming over and beginning to outline what they liked about it and why. The human heart craves for that. And Facebook provides it. Twitter provides it, or at least we can extrapolate it through our views like follows. Social media provides it. Video games, even you see in the video game matrix, you have this kind of win loss replay paradigm where no matter how many times you lose, you just keep playing until you start winning. You get the replay. But in the gospel, you don't get win, lose replay. You get work life reward. And so depending on how. We press into these platforms. We are either strengthening or weakening our resolve for being responsive to the gospel. What do you mean, God, I don't get a redo? What do you mean? It is. What do you what do you mean? I get this one shot and then I pass away. So, yeah. But guess what? I've also put in there to make sure that the one shot ain't wasted. The gospel. Not the infinite reset button. Does that make sense? So. Social media and video games have this really uh, intricate uh, scheme that they, that they give for us. Because from a value standpoint, if I'm really adept and, and, and I'm great at video games, I can create a profile for myself. I can create a picture that I like that shows the world who I want to be or what I want to look like. I can begin to choose the kinds of games that I excel at. Man, if I if I'm terrible at the war games, let me go try sports. If I'm I'm terrible at the sports games, let me try driving. If I'm terrible at the driving game, let me go play. Let me do something. Let me just do Minecraft. It ain't no competition. I'm just billing stuff. Right. But 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 all of the platforms look at all of the platforms are designed to address just the most in, the most intense human cravings. And I'm not against the platforms until the platforms become our life until they become our substitutes. But we need to realize what these platforms offer and why they take off and why they fly off the shelves. Right. Because they are analogies for the gospel, which lets us know, which lets us know that the world is looking for a savior desperately. Just haven't connected the dots, just haven't made the recipe. So then we want appreciation. But then up from appreciation, what else do they want, Doria? Adoration. a girl. Very good. They want adoration. We want to be loved for something. Now, we might not want all of these from every person. That would be nice because that would make us a Kardashian. That would make us a Beyonce. When you get all of those from everybody, you're, you're officially Ready to relocate to Hollywood or the Hamptons. Right. But if I could just get some of that from most of the people or all of it from at least one or two people, I'm good to go. But the problem is that even within the framework of the Christian household, we realize that we don't always get all of these all the time from everybody. But the only person who can consistently offer these is the Christ. And we know that we're getting them on an honest platform. We know that they're not performance contingent. We know that he's not loving us because we were good at it or we looked good or that he has something to gain or that he's just trying to build up the total number of friends that he has. Does that make sense? I pray that in in all of this, I'm not alienating our our audience that uh, doesn't necessarily engage in social media. But I really wanted to aim uh, this morning at, at this segment of the family. But but I believe across every generation, even if Facebook wasn't the thing, even if it wasn't the thing, even if it was the guy with the well, what, the cool car, the guy who had bass in the back of his car, that was the thing. In my, we didn't have Facebook. It's like, man, you got two 12s in there? Yep. And I was better than the guy who had four six by nines. And the guy who had two 15s was better than me. And then when you got to the point where you couldn't put large enough speakers in your trunk, then you had to go get like an SUV, right? And the guys who had the plexiglass speaker box was better than the ones with the wood box, right? There's always something that we're doing in every culture that represents the anchor for maximum acknowledgement, right? Because when I turn this, boom, everybody know I'm coming. Parents are annoyed. This is a guy shaking the dishes in our china cabinet, right? Even if it was in a villainous way, I'm being acknowledged. You know I'm here. I'm coming down your street. Boom, 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 boom. I'm getting that acknowledgement, Right. Acceptance and affirmation. I'm getting that appreciation. And of course, if I find a group that will love me for it, that's awesome. So that's the value matrix. But then what about identity? What are we really looking for? When it comes to identity, I want to be affirmed. or I want to be clear on what they think, what they know, what I think and what I know. So so between those is my true identity and anybody that will love me deeply having known all four of those, becomes my best friend. And that's why for our, 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 our young girls, especially like getting that, that, if you're in and around that 15-year-old piece, right, you're on that quest for the, what's one what of the, the, uh, the big phrases that's emerging in our culture? It, it's been out there for a minute. The BFF, right? <laughs> best friends forever. Who is that? That's the person, the, the real BFF is the one who, who, who what they think and what they know and what I think and what I know all align and you still like me. That's the BFF. <laughs> that's who it is. You never thought about the BFF, but that's who the BFF is. But then the Lord Jesus Christ says, trust me, I know you more comprehensively than anything. I, I didn't just start liking you once you got cute or your mom started letting you wear makeup. I was liking you long before that. And so you look at what our hearts crave for and look at why, again, some of our young relationships begin to form. The one guy or the one girl who seems to at least get three out of five on this list of my craves. That becomes my girlfriend. That becomes my boyfriend. No question of values, man. I got somebody who's going acknowledgement, acceptance, affirmation, appreciation. Adoration. Of course he's my boyfriend. And mom and dad can't figure out, why would you want to, to, to be with such a bum? Someone whose values are so antithetical to who we are as a family. Because this person has modeled acknowledgement, acceptance, affirmation, appreciation, and adoration. So then what becomes the, how can I put it? How do you keep the, 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 the sons and daughters from drifting towards someone who likes that? You first model it and constantly introduce them to the real person who gives it. That's why the Christian family is so critical. And so then. Value, identity and purpose, VIP, you can't forget that. The gospel speaks to the human desire to be a VIP value, identity and purpose. What questions are answered by purpose? Where do I fit? What role do I play? How do I win and lose? When is it complete? And who assigns it to me? This is one of the great. These are the great series of questions that are answered through the video game platform. Where do I fit? What role do I play? I get to choose my role. I get to choose what scenario I want to engage in. How do I win or lose? Are the rules clear? When is it over? How do I know when it's finished and I've accomplished what I want to accomplish? And who is it that assigns it to me? These are all questions, value, identity and purpose. These are questions that the culture should be answering through the Christ. And so when we look at the lives that desperately long for these things, you now have I now have an intersection because we can see who's looking for those things in all the wrong places. Now, let's talk about it from a biblical standpoint, how these things are uniquely gained in the gospel. I'm ready in Luke chapter 19, verse 10 here we go. For the Son of Man came to what? Seek and save that which was lost. How much value do you have in Christ? You were worth coming to. Go to the next one in Romans chapter five verse eight. How much value do you have to the Christ? You were worth dying for. Colossians chapter two verse fifteen. How much value do you have to the Christ? You were worth. Fighting for, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, triumphing over them in him. This is what the work that was done at the cross. So the death of Jesus Christ isn't just some bloody mess. Something is being accomplished on your behalf, and you have that much value that Christ would fight for you. The next one, Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You're worth coming to dying for fighting for and investing in. He says, if you if you're tired of the old you, I got a new you. I got a completely new you. I will make you a new, says the Christ. Romans chapter eight, verse nine worth. Communing with you, however, Are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit, the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But the Lord desires to live in us. We're worth communing with. Now, this may not sound this might sound like just opening the cabinet and reading out ingredients. But I want you to consider an absolutely holy God who cannot stand or tolerate sin, does not need a human being choosing to commune. Maybe that's too. Maybe that analogy is too far. Imagine if you got tickets to like the Emmys or something and like your favorite celebrity amid a bunch, a whole bunch of other seats decided to come sit next to you. Not out of necessity Too still too far out. Maybe the one person who you really like and respect the most who is a really hard customer and never sits next to anybody other than people that they really, really like. And they've not even given you the time of day, comes and sits at the lunch table next to you. You know how good that feels. Nothing in comparison to having the Holy Spirit wanting to hang out for eternity. So worth investing in, worth communing with. First, John. Chapter one, verses six. Yeah. For if we say we have fellowship uh, with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him and one another and with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sin. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. But then verse two tells us. Hey, listen, if you completely screw up everything on this list, but you're prepared to to acknowledge that you've screwed up, you have an advocate with the father. The word there is literally in the underlying language, the term for an attorney. You have somebody that's willing to represent you. Pro bono. Right. So worth representing when we've screwed up at our worst. And then, of course, Ephesians chapter two. Verse 10, one that still shakes me today, and you saw me kind of tear up, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So in other words, the work, so the Lord wants to work with me and through me. I, I, I work for those of you who don't know what I do, uh, I'm some a vocational pastor and I work uh, in the employment industry. And I can't tell you, I mean, I remember when I first started as a recruiter making hundreds and hundreds of phone calls, working on one position and then interviewing 30 or 40 people and then narrowing that down to five people. And then taking those five resumes to my manager and he slashes them down and take it to one that we present to our customer. And what and what am I getting there is all these people, the moment that they had one single blemish, anything that I thought that my client would not accept, we would not move forward with that person. All of these touch points in order to get down to one candidate. Because they had screwed at one time, it's just—it's just an incredibly judgmental profession. Thank God I'm not a recruiter uh, anymore. It's—it's it's a bad—it's a good profession, Sorry. but it just trains you to look at people so critically. Now nah, he coughed. He coughed in the interview. Get him out of here. Right? Can't explain his own experiences. Right? But—but—but but, but I want to think about the number of times that I have screwed up, that I have messed up the interview, so to speak. The number of times that I have. That I have not been able to live up to what I'm supposed to look like on paper, as is my resume as a Christian. But the Lord continues to keep me in his employ. He'll still work with me. How powerful is that? So that's how much value we have. First Peter, chapter two, verse nine. Many of us know this. It says, but you are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That one. I didn't give that one to your tech team. Uh, the first Peter, um, chapter two, verses nine and ten. Uh, you know, the conversation of us being a royal priesthood, his own special people, that we may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Um, who were once not a people, but now who are a people, the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have mercy. Here it is. We are when it comes to the identity that Christ has given us in the gospel, the world would call us weird. But in the Bible, we are rare for a reason. The world says you're weird. But the gospel says you are rare for a reason. You are a royal priesthood. You are chosen. You are royal. You are holy. You are special. You are in plain view. And you have a role to tell something of the marvelous work of God. If you ever feel weird and awkward being a believer, you are at a great place. You are weird for a reason. That's called being rare. That's called being precious. That's called being special. That's called being chosen. That's called not being regular. You're rare for a reason. If I could if I could drive on this, for instance, rare for a reason. Uh, I find it interesting in our culture that when when diamonds get rare for a reason, we pay great amounts for them. We don't throw them aside. And say, what are these weird rocks? When 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 sand, which is multitudinous, we can find it everywhere. It can be made into what souvenirs like little ships in bottles. Or it can be made into circuit boards in Silicon Valley. Metal, we can choose to make them into wedding bands, which are much to be cherished, or we can make them into weapons, which have dubious purposes, depending on whose hands they are in. The reason I say this is that when it comes to value, identity, and purpose, it is God who is uniquely not only able and capable, but committed to historically and, and screams it at us in the gospel that he is interested in making us all VIPs. But not unto ourselves, but VIPs for him. We do have value. He's declared it. We do have definitive identity. He has declared it and he's loved us in spite of it, even when it's not savory. And we do have purpose and it is built on identity. It is built on an identity that is both in him and in the one who is handling me. So both my identity is unique and valuable to the Lord. You other words, what you everything to how tall you end up being to what race you happen to be, to what gender you are. It has specific glory potential to and for God. And so let's get after it. The reason that transgenderism is an affront to the gospel is because it says, God, you didn't know what you were doing when you made me this. That no longer serves purpose. It doesn't have optimal glory potential. It doesn't have optimal value, and it doesn't have proper identity. But let's talk about it just for a moment. What does that whole movement aspire for? Value, identity, and purpose. Let's shake the gates of the Supreme Court and get what? Acknowledgement, affirmation. But now that affirmation is in place, the movement is not satisfied. What does it want? Even if you don't agree with me, you better adore me. Or else I'll sue you. So you see it in every pervasive, in all of the great cultural movements, you see the human heart yearning for the gospel. And your job and my job is simply to share it and keep the gospel in copious amounts, just scooping it and shoveling it out there and being relevant with it. Relevant doesn't mean bumper stickers and oh, no, we got to put gems around it or bejewel it up. It means getting in God's word and saying, OK, Lord, show me how to share the gospel in light of that, because that seems to be the new frontier. That's the thing that's getting a lot of conversation. How do I share the gospel in light of that? That becomes give an answer for give an answer for the a reason for the hope that is within us. So. If the previous message was an hour, that felt like about forty nine minutes. Uh, So I probably I want to I'm going to close with that and then we'll give us a little bit of a break. Dear God, we thank you and praise you for once again um, supping with us uh, in these messages. I pray, oh God, that they are landing in a place that pleases you and that we are more than prepared to um, to move accordingly in obedience towards you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.